0: Let's stand together and greet our neighbor.
1: till I rest.
2: Good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and man, it's good to be with family this morning, right? We had quite a week, and I'm I'm nervous even standing up here talking because I feel like that song. My emotions are just right here, and maybe you feel that same way. Um, I feel like when a tragedy comes through, it's amazing how uniting it is. Uh, I've had multiple conversations with people this morning. Uh, how'd you do this week on the on the street with friends? Everything okay? at Publix, you have power back on? But even more, our family evacuated Fort Lauderdale and the way that we greeted each other in the hotel room was, well, where are you from? And I almost felt guilty sometimes saying Tampa as I talked to people from Fort Myers and Punta Gorda and Cape Coral and sorry. And when I spoke with this woman from Cape Coral down at the pool, we're just trying to hang out, pass some time at the hotel pool. Um, She kept saying, it's a miracle. Our house is standing. It's a miracle. Our house is standing. And she said, but I don't know when we're going to go back. I don't know how long we should stay here. I don't know where we're going back to. She was just so shocked and frazzled. And then she looked over at her two young kids who were playing with my two young kids. And she said, I don't know when my kids are going to get to go to school again. And so we all are feeling it and it's heavy and fitz and i talked about how um, the biblical expression of this is lamenting together we lament and together we cry out to god and we say god rescue us rescue these people but even still and even if and even when god is still good and jesus is still on the throne and the lord is still sovereign Because what is seen on this earth is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And it's forever. And that's King Jesus. And that's our hope. And that's the hope that we have as a body and as a family. And that's the hope that we can offer to our friends down south who have lost their homes, people who have lost their lives, people who don't even know when their kids are going to get to go to school again. So we gather as a family this morning, and we're sad and we're heavy. And what we get to do again together as a family is we get to go to our good God. So let's pray together. God, there's a lot of emotions in this room. Maybe we have friends who live down south. Maybe we have family who live there. We're sitting there saying it could have been us. It could have been Tampa. It could have been my house. It could have been our church. God, for people who suffered enormous loss, for people who don't have a home right now, for moms who don't know when their kids are going to get to go to school again, For people who literally lost their lives, Jesus, we just place these people into your hands. God, we're broken for them. We're overwhelmed for them. But Jesus, you're still good, and you're still sovereign, and you're still on the throne, and you're our only hope. And it's in times like this that we're reminded of that. Where does our hope lie? And Jesus, now is a time for us to affirm that our hope lies in you, Lord. And so, God, we, um, we want to be people who help. We want to be people who serve. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would um, just provide resources and opportunities uh, for us as a church body to love on people who need it the most. God, I also just want to lift up um, one of our own, Sally Rowe. Her dad is having a pacemaker put in on Monday, Jerry Barnes. And so, Jesus, just as life goes on and these things happen and— um, The next thing comes, we pray for Sally and we pray for Jerry, Jesus, and we just pray for um, your healing grace on his life. God, thank you that we have a place this morning where we can gather as a family, love each other, and worship you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Good morning. I'm so grateful that you would be here this morning, and I, as this morning as we think together about God's generosity and love for us, I couldn't help but think about the fact that last week when Fitz and I sent you an email on Monday just letting you know that along with the First Prez leadership team, we were praying for you and checking in to just see if you needed assistance, you responded in the most extraordinary way. You responded offering to help others in the midst of your own family concerns, hurricane preparations, and mandatory evacuations. You responded asking how you could help others even though we had no idea where the hurricane was headed. You, my friends, are the best part of the story of the Good Samaritan. Where Jesus gives us a clear picture of God's desire for us to help those who are in desperate need. And after describing how a Samaritan rescued a hurting man whom others passed by, Jesus said, Go and do likewise. So let's go and do likewise. Let's go to our hurting southern neighbors. So many of you have already offered to be a part of the First Prez Hurricane Relief Response Team. And if you also want to be a part of it, just let me know as we develop the plan, the dates, and other details. But because of your ongoing faithful giving in this church, we have a Good Samaritan Fund in our budget that helps us get started. So along with the generosity box in the back of the room, here are six ways that you can use as a platform to respond to God's call, to Jesus' command to go and do likewise by giving of your resources along with your time and your talent. I just thank God for you. And I'm so inspired by you.
0: As we continue to worship and stand together, I'm going to ask our production team, our uh, lighting operator, to turn down our our theater lights. And I would love to give you the opportunity to really soak in the presence of God that uh, our emotions can be quite high with all the events that have taken place this week and i don't know if you're like myself but questions just come bubbling up and at the end of the day god is still god he's still on the throne and he still is great and he can take a bad thing and make it a beautiful thing but we can still though we don't have the answers put our faith and our trust in him for his greatness, and I just encourage you to do that as we continue to worship, and as the lights come down, not focusing on what's in front of you or beside you, but really focusing on your heavenly father and his love for us here in this room, but also our brothers and sisters in Christ and those that are lost outside of this building that are hurting, that are experiencing things that we just can't fathom. So let's sing together.
4: splendor of the King. Close
0: B.C.
3: You may not know this, but approximately nine children are removed every day in our region from their homes. The need is so great that there aren't enough foster homes for those children, so many of them are sleeping in offices, in office buildings. But the need could be met if every church in the Sun Coast region had just one family. That fostered a child. Wow. So as I heard those statistics over a year and a half ago, I watched our friend Catherine Ryan step into that truth by caring for sweet little honor since he was a week and a half old. She is his foster mom, and he's now 19 months old, I believe. I don't know where Catherine is. 19 months old. And I know that Catherine bears God's heart for children who don't have homes and who do not have families. And as I've watched her, I asked her about a year ago Catherine, would you prayerfully consider? And before I could finish my sentence, she said yes as I finished saying, leading a ministry in our church to help us to respond to God's mandate to love one another as I have loved you, to God's mandate to care for the modern day orphan, foster children. So she stepped into it and together we started doing research. We started meeting with Door of Hope, Florida 127, other agencies and churches to learn from them so that we could launch this morning with you our new ministry at First Prez called Foster Hope. Catherine is going to tell you about it this morning after we hear from Godly Daniel. Godly Daniel is the executive director of Door of Hope, whose mission is to find a Christian home for every foster child. He came to Tampa in 2011 And ever since that time, he's been advocating for children and families, providing support so that they could fulfill God's call to foster love for these children. So we're going to hear from Godly this morning. He's the father of three girls, married and the father of three girls. And he will help us understand God's heart. And I hope he sets our hearts on fire, as will Catherine.
5: Good morning. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Fitz is on fire. You don't need any more passion. You got Fitz, and that's pretty awesome. Good morning, church. It is a privilege and honor for me to be here with you all. I am just so encouraged by the compassion of this church. I see it throughout everything that was shared this morning and the songs that you're singing. Your hearts as you're listening to what's being shared, and it's pretty uh, humbling for me to see a church like that. So I praise God for that. It's an honor because I'm also thankful to, uh, to Fitz and Kathy for the invitation and the elders here for the invitation to come and share about how the gospel is breaking into the broken world of foster care through the ministry of Door of Hope and many others in this area. If you haven't heard about a Door of Hope, we are a Christ-centered foster care agency that recruits, trains, licenses, and supports Christian families who have a heart to serve children in crisis in the name of Jesus. You may not know this. But one of the saddest realities of our fallen world is that every day here in Tampa Bay, as Kathy was sharing, nine children are removed from their homes because of abuse, neglect, or abandonment. I need to pause. I want you guys to think about that for a second. Nine children today will be removed because of one of these things taking place in their life. These children are between the ages of zero and 17, and, the, and most of them are really under the age of five. Under the age of five. The saddest part is most people in our community have no idea that this is taking place right here in their own backyards. And we believe it's so important that the church knows about this because we believe God has called the church to be the ones who willingly sacrifice their lives so that these children experience the love of Christ and the hope that can only come through the gospel. I know as a church you believe that with me. There is no other hope apart from Christ. You may, here's a story I wanted to share with you. In ancient Rome during the time of the early church, there was a horrifying practice that would take place in that culture. You may, I don't know if you guys heard about this. It was called exposure. Does anyone know what that is? Exposure? Well, well, what this was is when a child was unwanted, whatever, for any reason, be it deformities or because of an unwanted pregnancy, the people of that time, they they would have their children and then take them out to the outside of the city to get rid of them. They would expose them to the elements out there, essentially to dispose of them, because they were not wanted. It's shocking, almost unimaginable. Some would actually even drown their babies while others would just leave them out in the wilderness, waiting for the animals or the weather to take care of what they considered to be a problem. It's horrifying even to think about such a thing taking place, but it's written about in history. You can read it. You can Google it, and you can find it. But here's something pretty awesome. Here's hope. But at the same time, you know what was happening with the early church? When this was taking place outside of the cities, the church, the Christians of that time, they would go out to the outside of that city. They were a small, persecuted group, right, if you remember the early church. But they would hear about this practice taking place, and they would go outside to the outside of that city, and they would go and get those kids. And they would bring them back home, and they would take care of them. They would love them. They would nurture them as their own. The coolest thing is when you read about just historical documents about Christians of that time, this was what was known about them. These were those people of the way that would go and do this type of thing, and they couldn't figure it out. I knew the only answer was the gospel and Jesus Christ, right? Maybe this is why in the book of James chapter 1, verse 27, we hear about a religion that is pure and undefiled, right? And it looks like this, James says. It says, one, uh, it's where we take care of orphans and widows while they're in their distress. That's what he says is pure and undefiled religion. And it became a defining mark of the follow of Christ of that time. And actually throughout all of history, if there was a child in need, if there was a child that was in distress or tossed aside or just unwanted for any reason, the ones who knew Christ would would step up and take those children in. And so throughout history, that's what we see. Even here in the United States, in the early 1850s, a minister by the name of Charles Loring Brace started working with another minister by the name of Reverend Louis Peace, They served together at Five Points Missions, which was a homeless ministry in one of the roughest neighborhoods in New York City. Charles was also working with the homeless children of that time. And he could see firsthand just the horrible conditions that they were living in and the road to crime and poverty that they were on. And he felt called by God that he needed to do something. It was so important for him that he had to do something. Many of these children that he was serving, they had lost their parents due to disease Or they were abandoned for a a number of reasons and just found themselves on the street. And so Charles, what he did, he started the Children's Aid Society. He helped to supply shelter and food for these children. But he realized after a little bit of time, it's just too much for one person to handle. There's just too many kids that need help. And so he had this idea in seeing their dire situation and his lack of resources. You know what he did? He created a process. He decided, you know what, there's a bunch of families out in the Midwest Christian families that he knows. And, you know, he started transporting those kids out to farms in the Midwest so they could live with Christian families since many of them were just living on the street. And so he created a system, started this process of bringing homeless children and connecting them with Christian families. This was the beginning of foster care here in the United States. That's how it all started. Nobody else was doing anything. The church stepped up and did something. Almost 100,000 children were sent on what was known as the orphan train system. Can you believe it? That's the church. What an amazing way to serve a need that they saw. The majority of these children found safe, loving Christian homes to grow up in. So you can see at different moments in history, the church is stepping up to to help children who are lost and without hope. And the question that you and I need to be asking is why? Why would they do that? Isn't that crazy to take a child? I mean... Talk to Catherine. It's, it's not easy. It's pretty hard to take another child into your home and care for them. It's hard to take care of our own children. I have three girls. I totally, it's hard. Let me tell you. We'll stop there. <laughs> what was motivating the early church and the follower of Christ to do something like this? So much so that the outside world, that they were, when they were looking in, they took notice of this. And I believe scripture has an answer for us. And a few, we're gonna take a few moments this morning to examine the why of engaging foster care. And here's the main point that I hope that you guys get God's people are compelled by the gospel to engage the foster care crisis and live out their faith as followers of Christ. God's people are compelled by the gospel to engage the foster care system and live out their faith as followers of Christ. We're gonna unpack that and take a look at what scripture has to say. So grab your Bibles or your, your technology, whatever you use to get your eyes on the text so that God's word can move and work in our hearts. So the question, once again, is why? Why would they do this? Why would they engage the foster care crisis? You know, when we talk about foster care in the community, a lot of people may ask questions like this. Isn't that someone else's problem? It's not even in my world, really. It doesn't affect my life. You know what the Bible doesn't even talk about the word foster care, isn't that the government's job? Those are sometimes the, the things that I hear. Friends, let me tell you this. The Bible though the Bible does not say the words foster care. It does use words like the orphan, the stranger, the least of these, the fatherless. These are all terms that fit perfectly for the foster child in our day. And we at AdoraFolk we call them our modern day orphans. In fact, the Bible goes to great lengths to let us know that this is very close to the father's heart. Look at Psalm 68 verse 5 and 6 says this, God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless and a champion of widows. God provides homes for those who are deserted. In Psalm 82 verse 3 it says, provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. And if you thought it was just in the Old Testament... In the New Testament, Mark 9, verse 37, it says this, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but him who sent me. And in Matthew 25, verse 40, you guys remember this story, Jesus is speaking about about people that are entering the kingdom of heaven, and he tells the people entering that when they were serving the least of these, do you remember that? He said, you were serving me. That's what he said to them. As you can see, the orphan child is a big deal to the Lord. But you may say, "Godly, these, these kids, they have parents, they're not orphans. And I would humbly say that the Bible does not differentiate between the two like we do. That's something we've done. It's not in the word. Whether they are orphans temporarily or permanently, they are still without mother and father and left to themselves. they'd be on the streets. Or worse, facing the worst type of abuse and neglect that you and I could possibly imagine. Here's the truth: that's not God's heart for them. And this is why the church is called to step up and be at the forefront of, of any crisis involving children. For this morning's sermon, we're going to turn our attention to the book of Second Corinthians chapter five, starting from verse 14. Paul here is sharing uh, with the church at Corinth. And he wants them to understand why he keeps working and serving in the midst of all that he's suffering. He's going through so much, but he continues on. He continues to endure. And I believe there's three principles here that speak to us today about why we also should engage the foster care world. Please turn with me. 2 Corinthians 5. And here's how it starts in verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ compels us. I love that, that just phrase right there. The love of Christ compels us. You see what Paul is saying here is that the picture he's trying to paint here is that the ship, there's a ship being forced into a narrowing channel, and he can't go any other way. The river is controlling where this ship is going, and that river is the love of Christ compelling Paul. It is directing his every course through life, and friends, our life is no different than Paul's, and our call is no less. The call may not be to foster care, Right? That should be known. The call is not always to foster care, but the call to live out the gospel is still the same for each and every one in this room. Our focus today, though, is on foster care. And God has sovereignly opened this door here in Hillsboro County so that his church can be salt and light in a dark and weary land of foster care. Here's the first point I want you to know. We should engage the foster care crisis because the gospel compels us to live for Christ. Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion, that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Paul has come to this conclusion, right? Jesus Christ gave his life for Paul. And so Paul can't live his life anymore for himself. It is actually hidden in Christ, and it belongs to Jesus His wants, his desires, his motivation, his dreams, those are all things that he's going to have to die to. He lives for the one who died for him and was raised. He lives for Christ's desires, Christ's wants, Christ's dreams. And I dare say this church before us, but I believe Jesus has called us to do the same, to die to those same things of ourselves and follow him. In the 1950s, Five men did just exactly that. They were compelled by the gospel to do this. It was laid on their heart that God wanted the gospel to reach a group of people, the Wadani Indians. You may know this story in the jungles of Ecuador. It's the story of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint. And so those men packed up their lives, and they just went to Ecuador. Ecuador. They gave up everything else this life had to offer them because they believed more than anything that the gospel was more important. In their short life, they wanted to be able to share this with this group of people. They they decided they couldn't live for anything else and they couldn't live for themselves anymore. The love of Christ for this people group was compelling them to go. And so they went. Can you imagine what that feels like when you love a group of people or you love someone so much that you're willing to give up everything else for them. That's the kind of radical love God calls each and every one of his children to. And this is the coolest thing. I see foster parents every day that have this heart. Every day. They're scared out of their minds not knowing exactly what they're getting into. Let me tell you, every single one that come into class, they're, they're definitely scared. They're like, what are we doing here? But God has already compelled them to come, so we got them. No, just... <laughs> No, we share as much as we possibly can so they can make a wise decision. And I I know Catherine has has done that already. But they are. They come in there and they're trying to figure out what to do. But this is the conclusion they've come to. These kids have absolutely nothing. These kids have been abused and neglected and abandoned. And they need a family to love them and care for them and share with them about the love of Jesus. So like Paul, they die to their fears of the unknown. Right? That's really what it is. It's like the scary unknown over there. They die to those fears, to their self-preservation, and they decide they're going to live their lives. They're, they're not going to live their lives for themselves anymore, but they're going to live for Jesus. And this is where Jesus is calling them, and that's exactly the narrow road they're going to be going down. That's what it looks like to live for Christ. It's, it's not safe sometimes. It's not easy sometimes, right? But you fix your eyes on Jesus, and you follow the sound of his voice. So we engage the foster care crisis because the gospel compels us to live for Christ, but also we engage the foster care crisis because the gospel compels us to see people differently. Look at verse 16. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come There's something very important that Paul's trying to share with us here. For those of us who know Christ as Savior and as Lord, we don't see people the same way anymore. Some things have changed. We are a new creation, the Bible says. So what does that mean? It means that we're born again. And we belong to another kingdom, another family. And Paul is saying here that that, the, the people of that kingdom where Jesus Christ is the king, they see people in a different way. And if you're wondering how, well, look at Jesus' life. If you read through the Gospels, you see how Jesus saw people, how he loved the broken sinner, how he had compassion on the lost and the lonely. You can read about it in the Gospels. He comforted the brokenhearted. That's what the word says. He was a friend to those who were without friends. And in fact, he even, this is crazy for us, but he even loved his enemies. That was our Jesus So now when we engage the foster care system, we see the foster children like Christ sees them. We see the bio parents who cause the abuse or neglect like Christ sees them, which is hard. And we ask our families to do that. It's hard. But they do it for Jesus because Jesus has shown them that love. When we see the government workers and if you talk to a foster parent, the system sometimes is hard to manage. Uh, we'll, We'll say that. But we see that even the government workers like Christ sees them. He loves them. And we have ample reasons, ample, to judge them and to find fault. In fact, with the the parents, of course, it's like you abused the children. You You were the one on drugs. Why were you on drugs? You shouldn't have been on drugs. You wouldn't have lost your kids. It's so, so, so easy, guys, to be the judge. It is so easy. But like the mob that brought the woman caught in adultery, you remember that story? When they brought him to Jesus, what did he say to them? He said, let he who has no sin cast the first stone. That was his remark to that mob. He's like, if you're perfect, go ahead. Cast that stone. Sometimes that's the question we ask ourselves. Or we can just tell them about Jesus. In that story, you know the only person in the whole world with the right to cast a stone was Jesus. Like, think about that. There's nobody else perfect enough to throw that stone at her. But what did he do? He gave her grace. He saw her. He didn't excuse the sin, right? What did he say? What did he say? Do not sin. sin no more. But he still flooded her heart with grace and love. It's the type of kindness he wants us to show the world, people. And here's the truth we need to get, church. The cross of Calvary... Is the only place in all of human history where the justice of God and the mercy of God, they meet. I want you to think about that for a second. The cross of Calvary and all of human history that you can possibly think of, from the beginning to the end, the justice of God and the mercy of God, they meet right here at the cross. And grace and mercy, they flow from the cross to all of humanity. This is why Jesus doesn't cast the stone. Friends, he took the stone for her. And the truth is, he took the stone for me. He took the stone for you. That is our Jesus. At the cross, we all stand equally wretched, equally broken, and in need of a Savior who is willing to take our unrighteousness, our stone, and nail it to the cross and clothe us in his perfect righteousness. That's the message of the gospel. And that's the message we need to share with those around us, and it's a message we need to live out every day. So we engage the foster care crisis because the gospel compels us to live for Christ, to see people differently, and lastly, to be ambassadors for Christ. Verse 18, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul calls us ambassadors for Christ. And what's an ambassador? An ambassador is one who's sent by a ruler of another nation to represent that nation in the foreign land that they're living. Our ruler, our king, is Jesus. We represent him in this foreign land. And yes, it is the land that we're living in. But our hearts yearn and long to go home one day and to be part of the kingdom where we belong. But Paul is saying while we are here, guess what? We're on mission. It's what we're talking about. We're still on mission for our king. And God has only one mission. He calls it the ministry of reconciliation. God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. And God has committed that work to his church as well. So friends, if you thought there was retirement for the follower of Christ, I'm sorry to break it to you, there's not. You may retire from your earthly vocation. But your spiritual work for the risen king It doesn't end until you see him face to face. And you will. Praise God. So if God has a message for us to share, where are those people that need to hear that message? Friends, they are all around you. In your neighborhoods. In your grocery store. At the golf course. In your place of work. Or wherever you're going to school. And most definitely in the foster care system. We have the greatest news to share and we must share it. We see a world filled with the lost and the broken, the unwanted, and the left out. And we need to reach them with the good news that there is a God who loves them and gave his life for them. Is it gonna be hard? Yeah. Serving Jesus has never been an easy thing. It's always been hard. Our Lord and Savior, he faced the hard for us, and he's asking us to face the hard for others. The writer of Hebrews said Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame because he could see all the way to the end. it said the joy that was set before him that led him to endure the cross. He could see the Father being glorified, the church rescued. He could see it all. Essentially what the writer is saying is that to Jesus, it was all worth it. The gospel is our greatest motivation to endure because it reminds us that it it will all be worth it at the end. Jesus is on the other side of the story of mankind and he's saying, trust me. I've seen it all. I've seen it all the way to the end. It will all be worth it. Endure to the end. Friends, the only motivation you and I will ever need for why we should engage the foster care system is the gospel. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you all this morning.
3: God bless you. you amazing. Catherine, come up. It, what compels her? The love of Christ. She heard the gospel, and she is sending us with her. So, Catherine, I can't wait for you to share with us all. And of course, this whole church is madly in love with honor, right? We, we love him, and we love you. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy.
6: Good morning again. Um, I'm happy to share just a few minutes here of kind of my journey and what's brought me to this point. Uh, I know quite a few of you, and I know some of you know a little bit about my story, but Never, ever, ever did I think I would become a foster mom, and I will go even as far as to say I did not want to be involved in the foster care system. Um, In God's sovereignty, he moved me from San Diego to Tampa. I had a career change um, due to COVID, and I just had a moment to open my heart to the Lord and say, okay, God, God. What do you have for me to do next for work and also for ministry? And I was hoping that my work would allow time for ministry. The Lord took part, uh, took care of the work part and opened my heart to just start to research a little bit about how I could love on little ones. I've always had a heart to love, especially on babies and young people. And um, the Lord just brought foster care to mind. And I want to encourage you because... I know, just like Foster, sorry, just like Godley and Kathy mentioned, if every single church in this area would just do a little bit, it doesn't take much, but just do a little bit in becoming involved in the foster care system, we can take care of so many foster kids. And you might not be called to be a foster mom or a dad. You might not be called to be a guardian ad litem. You might not be called to be a case manager. I want to be careful. Um, When I talk about fostering, you don't want to borrow somebody else's gifting, right? Like, I have a gift the Lord has given me to love and to be a foster mom. But there is something that each of you can do in this room, and I'm going to get to that in just a a few moments. Um, But I opened up my heart to the Lord to say, what do you want me to do? And even when I wasn't completely convinced on what it was, I did start the foster care training. And through the process, God just changed my heart. It was truly him. And I want to encourage you that God doesn't look for the most courageous, most capable, most willing person to do something. He wants to live through you. And people say, how can you do this? I could never be a foster mom. You're right. I can't ever be a foster mom. But God is a foster mom through me. He loves through me. He gives me courage. He gives me strength. And while honor is super easy to love, and I absolutely adore him and want to care for him and, you know, set him up for the best in life, uh, I just want you to open up your heart and just let the Lord work on your paradigm. Step outside of your normal paradigm and just say, Lord, what part of foster care could I become involved with? And... As Kathy mentioned, about a year ago, we did start doing some research on how the church could become involved, what we could do, and we're excited to roll out phase one of our foster ministry called Foster Love, and uh, there are a few ways that you can become involved, and one is foster family. If you are a foster family in our church, we want to hear from you. So, Please let us know. There's going to be a QR code on the next slide. We don't want to go there quite yet. Um, But there will be a form that foster families can fill out. Let us know you're out there. We want to take care of foster families in our church. We want to take care of foster families in the surrounding area. You might be interested in learning how can I help foster families. You have no idea. And I'm just giving you a little bit of a, a, a glimpse of what help we need in the foster care world. So you might not even know what that looks like. So please... When the QR code pops up, please let us know that you're willing just to hear more. You're not committing to anything. You're just saying, hey, I'm interested. I want to hear more. And then what does it mean to become a foster family? Godly leads a great group of staff that I know, and they help train foster families to know what they're getting into. What is it going to look like? What's required? You know, what happens when you get your first foster kid, your baby? You get to choose a profile of, as far as, you do you want to start with babies? you want to start with a two-year-old, a five-year-old, a teenager? I started with babies, and uh, I'm so glad that I did. On the next slide is the QR code. So I want to encourage you to please um, get out your phones, use the QR code, and it will just lead you to a link on our website that has a form that just says, hey, I just want to hear more. Like I said, you're not committing to anything. And you're just saying, okay, God, how can I be used? So thank you so much for your time. And I want to share one more thing. And that is the scripture that led us, um, that inspired us to start this foster love ministry. And it comes from John 12. And it says, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, I ask you to please help us be the hands and feet of Jesus and come join us as we foster love.
7: How about that? Huh? Thank you, Godly, for your just eloquent, brilliant words of challenge and love of God. Thank you, Catherine, for showing us what it looks like in your eloquent, of yourself huh huh am I wrong so here's what I want here's what I want to do before us is the table if you're online and you didn't run to get something ready go do it now but don't take long because I want to connect the cross of Jesus with what it means to be adopted so listen carefully because you my friends and I Before the cross of Jesus, we were spiritual orphans. But when you choose to follow Jesus in a real relationship, here's what happens. What happens is that Jesus pulled off a move that stuns the universe. What Jesus did is he took it for us. Mercy and justice. As Godly just said, Jesus took her stone for us. And when you choose to follow Jesus, it's not just that you're forgiven. No, friends, the great Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 says, we've been adopted. You, when you take this bread... When you take this juice, when you feed on Jesus Christ, you have chosen, therefore, to follow Jesus, and you've been made a part of his family. You are, a, and before this, a spiritual orphan. I was a spiritual orphan. Now I'm a member of God's family. Is that awesome? Now, all of us have heard about unplanned pregnancies, I've never heard of an unplanned adoption. Jesus was no victim. He chose to die for you. Jesus sought you. He found you. He signed the adoption papers. You have a home. It's God's home. You are his daughter. You are his son. Matt and McLean are going to go to the rear and we're going to come forward from the rear forward. They will dismiss you at the right time. An elder is going to come and join me here on this side. An elder is going to join Kathy on that side sons and daughters of the king receive adoption
4: to bear. your son for redemption the price for
7: Allow me to pray for all of us. Gracious God, we want to be your ambassadors. We want to be compelled by your love. Where we live, where we work, where we play, where we go to school, in the foster system. Thank you, gracious God, that you have taken us in. You did it on purpose. Thank you that we get to now leave this place and go for the remainder of our day and the remainder of our week to be people that love on your behalf, with your love. We've heard this message so clearly this morning. Make us over again new. All of this in the name of the King. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. They're going to invite you with the music as you leave to listen about what it means to run to Jesus.